You're listening to The Process, where we talk to some of the industry's most talented artists, including film, TV and game. From concept artists to previs to 3D animators and visual effects artists, we talk about a personal project of theirs and take a look at the work that went into them, as well as show an insight into the mind and workflow of each artist. For any visuals discussed in this episode, we've provided a link to images and videos should you need a bit more context. Or you can watch a video podcast on YouTube at Big Two Studios. Well, my name is Dave McCumber. Uh, I'm a stunt coordinator, fight coordinator, second unit director, um, working in the film industry now for about 16 years. Um, I have a background in martial arts. I used to own a martial arts school. That's how I got into stunts. Um, and it's been a wild ride since then. <laughs> hey, Dave. Good morning. How are you? Or Good morning. whatever time it is there. <laughs> uh, what is it? Slight, usually got a watch on slightly afternoon, but yeah, happy morning. Good afternoon. But yeah, how's it going, man? Hanging in there. How are you doing? I'm very good, thanks. I'm very good. Uh, and I really appreciate your, yeah, you coming on board and, and spending an hour with us today. So thanks, Dave. Really appreciate sure. it. Yeah. What what what's your morning looking like today? What you what's the plan? It's a little hectic. I, I I'm starting another show, um, and so I'm I'm sort of gearing up. I'm getting ready to. I'm going to be in New York for the next ten months. Oh, so. really? Kind of kind of starting to get my life together here so that I can ship out. <laughs> Brilliant. Is that a, that sounds a pretty intensive project? Yeah, yeah, it's, I can't yeah, say. I'm, anything I'm not. I'm not, yeah. I'm not alluding yeah. to tell us. Yeah, don't it's it's going to be. It's going to be a handful. Oh, amazing! Just to let you know, when we when we were sort of scouting for um, people to come on board and do uh, these process videos, uh, Stephen came across you your stuff on Instagram, I think. Oh, somewhere. okay. And and and. Stephen was like, this guy, Dave, it would be insane if we got him to come and speak with us. Um, and we thought it's it's not gonna it's not gonna happen. But we thought we'll give it a go. We'll put a message out there and um fingers crossed that um Dave can come on board. And you have, so we've been very, very excited to Well, great. Um, I'm I'm happy to talk to you guys. Um, how did you actually get into um yeah, industry? What what came first for you for you in the industry? So- yeah, I was like, I was a competitive martial artist, um, and I knew some guys from the tournament circuit that had gotten into the film industry. And I'd always been interested in film. I, you know, I did short films and stuff like that when I was a kid. And um, actually, I did. Uh, this is this is going back a long ways now. Um, but I did a. It was like a viral short film, sort of when viral short films were kind of first starting. It was a fan film, Star Wars fan film called uh, Duality. Um, uh, which was actually kind of my first foray into doing visual effects as well. Um, kind of taught myself visual effects specifically for that short. Um, but anyway, some of the guys that I knew from the tournament circuit that had gotten into film, uh, had reached out to me. One guy in particular, a friend of mine named Marcus Young, who's a phenomenal film guy and martial artist, and he was doing a a project in Canada. I'm a dual citizen. And there was a a fellow on the show that he felt like I would be a good double for. And so I went to Vancouver and and that was my first real experience doing, you know, legitimate film, you know, guerrilla filmmaking on my own. Uh, And then that kind of led to the next thing and led to the next thing. And here I am. 
been been in the industry ever since. Yeah. Amazing. Um, so just looking at some of your sort of, can you just mention a bunch of projects that you've uh, worked on, like big titles or fun fun projects that, you know, not sure. necessarily a big title, just a list of fun sure. stuff yeah. that you've enjoyed working on? That, that first show that I did was a, a miniseries called Fallen for ABC Family. And then uh, I think the next big project that I did following that was G.I. Joe, the first G.I. Joe film. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, and I was one of the the stunt doubles for Ray Park on that, uh, Snake Eyes. Um, and then, you know, following that, I did uh, Fast Five, um, did one of the Transformer films, uh, worked on uh, Infinity War and Endgame, some of the Netflix Marvel projects like Daredevil and Iron Fist and Defenders. Um, I miss Marvel. And yeah, so then <laughs> followed that up with uh, working on, for the Disney Plus shows, I did, Falcon and the Winter Soldier, mm-hmm. um, where I was the fight coordinator and stunt coordinator. And then Ms. Marvel uh, was the next project after that. So Amazing. Awesome, man. So um, I was actually a previous artist on Fast 6. Okay. Which was... And, and when we came across your, your profile, Dave, I, I'm, sure, I'm sure I recognize this guy somewhere. I'm sure I recognize him somewhere. <laughs> I don't think we've worked on a project at the same time but um just very familiar uh you know seeing your work with um especially the quarantine blues with the stunt viz and you've implemented which we'll get into implemented vfx um and i thought if i've not been on a project with dave which I, i don't think we have but fun to talk about just that experience you know you've got experience as a previous artist as well as a VFX artist, as well as a stunt coordinator. So this whole sort of mix of skill sets and, you know, it's very, very uh, an interesting bag. That's hence why we've been very excited to (laughs) talk with you. Um, So, yeah, I guess we can just uh, a brief chat of uh, being a stunt, wearing your stunt coordinator hat. Um, Literally. Yeah, literally, yeah. how is it when you sort of, you know, start planning a, um, a fight sequence and, you know, do you use any previs or do you just go straight into stunt viz? Because we've worked, when I was on Fast 6 and um, Hobbs and Shaw and there was a lot of, um, you know, we would do previs sequences, but it seemed that the, because we, we would work in, uh, tandem with the stunt viz guys sure and they were they were very um open and on board to the whole previous so we would kind of go down to the stunt team and the stunt team would come up to us and right. we would you know chat and it was a very interesting mix actually did you interact with was it greg Rementor? i can't i can't remember i'm not great with names yeah Gre- greg greg quite- i know um on hobbs and shaw i believe he directed second unit and and was one of the stunt coordinators on the show and he was yeah. a guy that i worked with quite closely um okay on on endgame and infinity war really he he loved he was uh yeah a big fan of yeah just coming upstairs and just hanging out and asking questions I'm, and we would go so down. no go for it please okay. do go for it Dave. hello Sorry, that's my wife calling no. me that I fed the dogs. <laughs> no problem at all, Dave. Don't no problem at all. Um, so yeah, it was just really great to sort of um, you know we we would typically work on 
Um, and I think up to this point, where we were working just totally in CG and, and previs and blocking out stuff, I think back then, we, the, the company I was working for at the time, that I don't think they had motion capture suits and things. So mm-hmm. it was very much just sort of grab actions and blend things and a lot of manual sort of combining sure. of stuff to get you know the the, the energy across and the, the sequence. But you know, would you prefer to do the previous side or would you just rather just jump and and in front of the camera and fight and you know to be honest with you i feel like in this business like if you're if you're trying to come at it from a, an individualistic standpoint you're probably better off just doing a painting mm-hmm. um it, everything that we're doing is so kind of holistic and and it's i, I feel like within stunts um we have so much overlap with all of the other departments you know it regardless of whether it's um, like animatic previs or that we're dealing, you know, with visual effects in terms of determining how we're going to accomplish a sequence, you know, and, and what we need to hand off to them to be able to complete it. Um, whether we're dealing with costumes or we're dealing with art department and set design, you know, like there's, we're kind of touching everybody. And so from my perspective, I'm always looking for, you know, how I can work hand in glove with any of these other departments um, and try to, you know, make things angle in, in the in a direction that's going to allow for us to create, number one, the coolest product that we can, mm-hmm. um, but also to do it in the most efficient way possible. Um, and so what I found, you know, especially in the last, you know, let's say 10, 15 years, there's been such a push toward visual effects that the the understanding that a stunt coordinator has to have a visual effects, I I think is every bit as important as it used to be in terms of stunts, knowing what special effects was doing, Mm -hmm. you know, special effects and and picture cars and stunts have always had a very integrated kind of relationship, you know, because you need to know if they're going to be blowing something up, it's helpful to know what it is they're blowing up next to you. Right. Um, and same thing, you know, with, with, with picture cars, they hand you over a car and you need to be able to have a conversation about, you know, what what's going on with that vehicle? What do we need in terms of like a roll cage or how are we going to put in eye bolts for for belts? In a similar way now, visual effects. There's there are some people in the stand industry that are kind of like, oh, my God, you know, they're going to take the job. You know, everything's going going to CG. But I think that it's also helpful that. If, if we know what CG can do and where it may not be as good, where CG should take over, like yeah. then it's, it's easier in the creation of a sequence to find where those lines are, mm-hmm. right? On the same side of things, you know, you look at, at previs, and one of my experiences with previs is that sometimes you get guys that are creating action sequences, but they're not necessarily... Uh, familiar with you know what what is it going to take to to do this on the day and so sometimes I'll look at a at a animatic previews and go oh my god <laughs> it's like there's no way to do this without killing somebody and so now we've got to figure out a way to accomplish something close yeah um, that is survivable and repeatable you know once we put an actual person in there so from my perspective, it's really helpful to be working with the previous guys, you know, the animatic side of things and say, um, you know, how about this, you know, be, just be thinking in terms of, you know, what we're going to mm-hmm. be able to accomplish 
you know, when it's a physical body in that location and let me take it over from this point. Right. Mm -hmm. And then the other side of it, when I got into the business, you know, like I said, I I'd sort of trained myself on some visual effects stuff early on with some of the earlier short films that I had done. And I kind of carved out a niche for myself within the stunt viz uh, world because people knew that that was something that I could do. Like I could punch and kick, but I could also get in and add like a chicken yeah. to a shot or whatever, you yeah. know? Um, so that led to me being able to, you know, be able to, to incorporate that sort of handoff, you know, mm -hmm. and say, here's animatic previs, now here's stunt previs, but we're also incorporating CG elements into that. Yeah. Um, because in the end, you know, the way that I think about all that stuff, it, it's all a sales pitch, right? Mm -hmm. you know, Definitely. They, they give you the script, you have a conversation with the director, they say, this is what we'd like to see. Now you have your own creative impulses, and then you go in and, and do something, but you want to be able to sell it to that director and yeah. say, hey, this is, this is what we came up with. Do you love it? Yeah. <laughs> you know? Um, and if you're not incorporating all of those bells and whistles, sometimes it's difficult to appreciate yes. what it's going to look like in the Definitely. end. So one of the first things that I was doing uh, when I got onto Infinity War, we were doing a lot of the stuff with um, Wanda and, and Vision and the big fight that they have in Edinburgh. Well, you know, when Wanda's doing a magic fight, if you're not incorporating mm, yeah. these CG elements into what she's doing, no matter how good the performer is, it kind of looks like kids on a playground, yeah. you know, doing yeah. wibbly woo kind of stuff. Yeah. <laughs> so we had to show, you know, this this is what we're thinking about. This is what she's doing here. And so we've got trucks flying around and lightning bolts and things exploding and, you know, all of that, yeah. um, which was really fun on that show just because, I, it, you know, it's the only show that I've ever been on where we had like 35 people in prep within the stunt department Whoa. and Whoa. four of them we're just doing like I was the only thing I was really doing there was visual effects on top of stunt. Oh, okay. you know? So literally then, at, the, at the side of the uh, action, the you you're yeah, on a computer. I, you know, I would get in and perform and help with choreography and you know stuff like that. But for the most part, there was a table with four of us, and really? you know we were just shooting, editing, sound, and and doing VFX on top of the viz. Um, you know, so, which was a really interesting thing because everybody that was sitting at the table was also a very capable stunt performer, but, you know, just happened to have visual effects jobs on top of that. Yeah, that that's like such a great combination um, to, to sort of, you know, put everything together and present as a, yeah, because like you said, it's, a, it's, it's essentially a pitch. So right. I guess the director, yeah, like you said, would see it and say, let's change this and change that. And, um, but yeah, definitely helps sell sell the idea right. it's like a pitch this isn't it for for that um i'm hubs and shaw it, i remember one particular sequence and is george was george the french guy I, oh I, no uh greg greg, greg sorry yeah, yeah french guy no no he's an american i'm thinking of someone else there was one one particular guy that would would sort of come up and sort of scratch his head and go and then go back down and then he would sort of ask questions and then we would go downstairs. But there was one particular sequence, um, which was a real shame actually on Hobson Shaw, and it was uh, Idris Elba, The Rock, and Jason okay. Statham. So it was all planned to be like one whole entire fight sequence on just a one, -er. so one oh, camera gotcha. sort of moving around. Um, and that was such a great sort of combination of sort of 
where to find the swipes because there was moments yeah. where there was there was a bit where Jason Statham was thrown off the side of the truck and the camera would go down and wipe across the floor plate and then see like him hanging on the side of the truck and then come back up and you know unfortunately they didn't shoot it in the end and it was kind of just cut out and made into like four or five shots which still looked amazing but um it was a real sort of great experience to sort of see the potential of the stunt viz and the previs incorporated yeah. together. We had one guy that, who would take the stunt viz and because we needed a CG version of sure. the stunt viz um, and the action fighting. So he, he painstakingly roto animed the rock and, you know, so we've got a CG with our assets of right. you guys doing uh, your thing so then we could put in some cameras and do some virtual camera sort of scouting and try and you know find those slow motion moments right. it was all really like cool fancy stuff it was super exciting unfortunately that didn't make it into the movie but now, that's um, funny. you know my the first time i really experienced uh animatic previs was on fast five um okay. i you know seen stuff you know but it, they weren't really incorporating it in any of the projects that i had done and then when I did Fast Five, um, we shot stunt viz of, there's a sequence where um, there's a train with a bunch of cars on it mm -hmm. and uh, you know there's a fight breaks out inside of the train and on top of one of the cars and in, there's a car that you know is driving along or truck. Oh, just, just before the bridge. The yes, before the yes. bridge, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Nice. So um, we choreographed that fight uh, before we left uh, LA. So this was all in prep. And then from LA, we ended up going to Puerto Rico. And then uh, they shot second unit, I think in New Mexico, um, for all of the exteriors of it. But I remember when we were, we, we shot our stunt viz. And then I walked into the production office one day and went past like, you know, where the animatics guys were set up. And they were hand animating our moves onto the CG characters because Justin Lin, the director, wanted yeah. to pick his own camera angles. And of course, that's sure. sort of the disadvantage to stunt viz, obviously, is that we're burning our angles because mm. we're, you know, shooting it with a camera. So it's you can't go back in and say, what does this look like on a 35? Yeah. Unless you go back and want to reshoot the stunt, you know, for yeah. the and sometimes, of course, you know, you're bringing in people, you know, like you're you're swelling out the stunt team to have 15 guys for a sequence. And then they all go away after the stunt business is done until we're going to come back and shoot. So if the director wants to see something different, you have to rehire those people back on, mm -hmm. which you know can be problematic. Um, so I, I remember walking through the office and going, <laughs> oh, my God, they're hand animated yeah. that we had yeah. done out of the truck. But. And, you know, and that that was actually a big motivation for me. I remember on that show uh, speaking to the visual effects supervisor and asking him at the time, you know, do you guys ever do motion capture or consider motion capture for animatics? And at that point, I mean, obviously that's, you know, going back a ways. He was like, oh, no, it's not really, you know, a feasible thing. Um, so I've been kind of trying to find the right time to ever since then to like, yeah. you know, jump in to be able to do, mm -hmm. uh, you know, motion capture with performers. It was legitimate performance capture of the people that are eventually going to do it. Yeah. We're doing performance capture for them for animatic previous purposes. Yeah. And, so. and I guess, I guess that leads perfectly because we're, we're going to get into uh, the Ronin in a bit, which is motion capture and Rococo right. and Unreal Engine. Um, 
and I guess it's the perfect time now. Um, I'm not sure if you've worked on any recent projects or that's the idea in in future projects that it's motion capture suits, stunt viz, uh, virtual production with, and I say when I say virtual production, I don't mean you know LED walls. I mean right, you know, the, the cameras and actors right. and sort of getting those angles to then remove that painstaking process of recreating a CG version of that to explore the cameras. It's it's the hybrid now, I guess, with the technology and the availability is sort of, it's easier to do now and it's possible. Um, how are you, what are your thoughts on d- doing that kind of process? Uh, yeah, 100%. Mm. I think that that's the way that it, that it, it kind of needs to go, yeah. you know. Um, I, I haven't done a lot in terms of the virtual production aspect of things. Mm-hmm. Usually what I'm doing is animating cameras in the computer, um, you know, and then like throwing handheld shake on it and stuff like that. Man, it's but, great. Um, mostly that's just a product of the, you know, the places that I'm doing it. Um, the last couple of, I, there's been opportunities to do, um, you know, my own kind of animatic previs for the last couple of projects that I've done um, in sort of limited ways, but mostly like, you know, the last project that I did, I had a fight that happens in a car. And um, so in order to do it, I just put on a motion capture suit and had another performer, um, CC Ice, who, who uh, doubles Wanda. <laughs> she jumped in the car with me and, you know, we did this fight inside of the car and, and captured it that way. And then that then I could bring it into the computer and find my camera angles just going, OK, well, you know, yeah. Here's where I think we ought to go, and then, and then, it, it, as I was talking about this sort of hand in glove thing, um, I did my version of it, and then it was handed off to an animatics uh, previous team, and yeah. they went and you know took it a step further and put it in Unreal, and you know did all of that kind of stuff for that project. Yeah. Um, so, but what I've kind of started doing is no matter where I go, I always bring my suit with me. So I've always mm-hmm. got, you know, a couple of the Rococo suits. And so if something comes up, like, for example, I was on a show and we had done a a more kind of traditional stunt biz. I always call it box world, you know, like we set up the, you know, Home Depot boxes to yeah. create our set, right? So um, we shot a, a, a previs in box world and then you know, director had signed off on it. It was a very painstaking process going through and getting it to where this is, this is like template previs. You know, sometimes previs is like a reference for mm. when you're on set and they're not necessarily going to shoot it in exactly yeah. the same way. But this was like we're going to do a one-to-one representation of what this stunt viz is. Um, got to the, the a lot of this was done in post remotely, and then when I got to the city and got together with the director. Finally, we got the actor involved, the lead, and we all had a discussion about it. And there were some changes that that came about. And my habit is also to use, not only to use Viz as a, you know, document for, you know, this is how we're going to shoot a sequence, but also I use it to help out the AD department. So I'll annotate the previs and say, here are the props that are involved. This is, you know, what we're going to do, you know, in terms of, you know, wilding this wall, or this is where we're going to do a scenic painted pad, you know, mm-hmm. in the floor or in the wall that we're going to run into, all of that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, so because that document was going to be going to all of the other departments, but it was no longer representative of the entire sequence that part of it had changed, 
I went back to the hotel and threw my suit on and then did the pieces that were going to change and did the rest of it in an animatic form. Um, and to make it blend in, I actually, you know, did it in a box world. <laughs> so I CG, you know, created Home Depot boxes. Okay, and, you know, yeah. also just sort of looked seamless. Yeah. <laughs> um, That's great. But uh, yeah, you know, it's, it's, it's a, it's such a helpful tool to have, mm -hmm. you know, yeah. um, to be able to, to call it up and make the changes that you need to relatively quickly, especially now, you know, it's, mm. it's kind of insane um, how fast those those iterations can come. Definitely, definitely. And 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 for, for the Rococo, it's Rococo suit. That's yeah. just a great sort of, you know, that portability of the Rococo. I know it's yeah. no like maybe it's, I know they're constantly developing. We've got a couple of Rococos here, which we love. Um, you know, just the portability and the ease of sort of jumping in and being able to do things on the yeah. fly without having your Vicon $35,000 right. systems. You can do this portably and clearly get great results. Uh, well, yeah, it's so funny. You know, like a while ago, I remember um, you know, I was reading comments from people, you know, and they were like, oh, there's, you know, magnetic interference or there's this or there's that. And I'm like, like it's such a silly complaint to me because yeah. like you're talking about a, a a a suit that's you know at like you know twenty five hundred or three three grand or something yeah. like that versus you know well the next step is forty thousand yeah. dollars so if you want to go there you know yeah. and dedicate space to that yeah. you know by all means but yeah. otherwise I don't I'm not complaining no <laughs> hell no just I mean it's it's an incredible tool. And I guess that would lead perfectly if we're talking Rococo and um, filmmaking, um, your clear clear understanding of uh, VFX, then moving on to creating your own short films. How did the, um, the Ronin come about and what was the inspiration behind and motivation to create your own? You know, it's, it's funny. There, there's been for quite a while, you know, I've been kind of like, like I said, I've been sort of watching the technology as it develops and then thinking, okay, well, you know, how can I leverage this? You know, what, what can I do with it now? Um, and in, in this particular case, it was also, which is what's happening with a lot of these shorts is I have a desire to learn something and I'm not the kind of person that's like, okay, I want to learn something, so I'm going to sit and and do a tutorial for the sake of doing that tutorial. More, what I need to do is say, okay, here's the end goal. Like this mm -hmm. is the pro mm -hmm. the project that I want to create. Now, I'm going to figure it out. Like, what's the roadmap to get there? And for for Ronan, it was I I wanted to learn Unreal, and I'd opened Unreal like. 5,000 times and I'm like, this is a mystery to me. You know, it's so funny how, like when I first got into doing 3D, I had a background in like, you know, Photoshop, like I knew Photoshop, I knew Illustrator, I knew After Effects, you know, I, I had a pretty good handle on all of that stuff. And then I opened a 3D program, I'm like, I have no idea what's going on here. So it, it, in a way it's like, you know, the Adobe suite is sort of the romance languages and so you can find how Portuguese is a little bit like Spanish is a little yeah. bit like German. And then you open up cinema 4d and you're like, this is Indonesian. Like it has nothing to do with anything that I've done before. Yeah. And in a weird way, like I knew 3d, I had done 3d for a long time and I would open up unreal and just be like, I don't get it. 
Like, I just don't understand what's happening here. Um, but I, I wanted to learn the program. So uh, I decided, and I, I also wanted to experiment a little bit with like uh, nonverbal storytelling, you know, do, do an action sequence that tells, you know, this, this you know, kind of narrative. And, uh, and then kind of came up with the Ronin short, you know, the, the narrative for the Ronin short for that purpose. I mean, that's really what it was for, which just so that I could go in and, and play with those things. And at the end of the day, come out understanding Unreal. And uh, yeah, so that that's that's, that's how the whole amazing. thing came about. Amazing. That, that is a great way to, um, yeah, learn uh, software and it, it, thinking of the end goal and, and then, you know, working out. It's, it's, a, it's all problem solving at the end of the day, especially Perfect. even if you know Un, Unreal Engine, every project is going to face different problems and you just need to know where you need to get to. And then right. you you jump those hurdles, and you you know you could sit there scratching your head for a, a night, or wake up going, "How am I going to solve this thing out tomorrow <laughs> or next week?" Um, and just having that angle, it's a great approach to, especially learning um, something. Um, right. The other thing too that I should mention about Unreal as well, one of the motivating factors for me there is that I had just come off of a, a series of movies where I'd worked with some really phenomenal cinematographers, and um, and Unreal is a great way to kind of experiment with cinematography. You know, Definitely. like lighting your shots in real time is a great way to learn about bounce cards and key Definitely. light and you know, all of that kind of stuff. It's it's and it's free, so you know it's kind of a, an amazing tool from from that respect as well. Definitely, um, it's. I always say to. I mean, that the last few episodes that we've been recording and talking about Unreal Engine filmmakers is, you know, what was that first time you opened Unreal Engine, or the five thousandth time that you open Unreal Engine, uh, and then you do discover things like you know your reflections, your cameras, your depth fields, the power of being in something you know close to like real time as possible, right. just exploring. Um, the landscapes and the tools, especially kind of when you open up like a sample map, just to right. sort of you know see what what you can achieve. Definitely that language and, and knowledge of cinematography. You can sit. I think a cinematographer sitting inside of Unreal Engine for a while is a in very interesting. You know, you can imagine their mind going, "Whoa! Like I can play around with this, and then right. I can do this, and really." experiments well and it's it's an interesting thing too it's something that i've been considering a lot recently is that so you know when you're choreographing a fight right you're going to pick moves that are attractive from a particular angle but they're not necessarily going to look great from somewhere else mm -hmm. right so a lot of times when we're shooting stunt viz that process is like okay well here generally speaking is the fight you know so we'll lay out you know move for move kind of what somebody's going to do and then when we start shooting it the camera becomes the third part of that choreography mm -hmm. and so you might be looking at the move and saying okay well the move looks great from here so i'm going to shoot it from here but the problem now is that i'm on the wrong side of the line so how do i get from here to here and sometimes that's you know maybe the camera will cross the line to get over there but you might also modify the choreography so mm -hmm. You'll say, hey, I need you, when you do this move, don't stand static. You drive to your left so that yeah. he's crossing the line for you, right? So you'll come up with all this great stuff. 
And then you walk onto the set and the cinematographer goes, oh no, the key's over there. So the camera's gotta be here. And you're like, oh God, all yeah. of my, you know, machinations have, have just been destroyed. So one of the thoughts that I have now is that, you know, going forward, I'd like to use Unreal to drive conversations with cinematographers so mm. that they can let me know, you know, what are you thinking about here? You know, it, like if you've got a, a a house, you know, with a window here and a window here, is there is there a primary window that you're going to be driving light from? And then I can plan accordingly yeah. to say, I'm going to be shooting in this direction. And now that's going to influence my choreography, which goes back to kind of what we were talking about before. It's like that, that sort of hand in glove synergy in filmmaking is huge, you know, and, and having that kind of information, which is typically not, you know, until recently, it's not, not something yeah. that you can really get, you know? Yeah. So definitely that's, uh, you know, that the hybrid of, of the whole sort of cinematographer, stunt, stunt viz, stunt coordination, um, storytelling, um, putting all those together, uh, yeah, it seems definitely, definitely the way forward because the last thing you want to do is, you know, do this really cool sequence and then get told, oh, that's not gonna quite work. And it's it's always a shame to sort of, you know, come up with do something really amazing and then, you know, because ideally you want to just pass it on and hopefully they go, oh, that's so that's gonna help us so much. We're just gonna shoot it as it is or or right. as close to, you know, um, yeah. definitely always like tweaks and changes. But um, if you can nail that. And and get those conversations going together in in an engine. Um, right. It's only going to benefit everybody. I, I, I would say you know, if you can get everybody on board, everybody on the same page. Yeah, and sometimes they're they're super easy solutions if you have them. If you, if you know the answers early enough, mm. you know, like you can you can solve all those problems at at the conception point. Mm -hmm. The problem is that most of the time you don't know it until you get there. Like you get there and the, and the DP is like, oh, those are the key lights over there. You know, we're going to use these, you know, these lamps that are in the house. Those are the ones that are going to be on. And so we need to be on this side. Um, and, and then you're running into issues too, because it may be a situation where, you know, you've trained an actor to do the fight and now you're having to re-choreo on the day and the actor's like, you know, I, I spent two weeks, you know, getting yeah. moved down and now you're changing them on me, you know? Yeah. So, um, yeah, it's, it, as a tool to get ahead of those kinds of problems, I think it's, it's huge. Yeah. And, and at the end of the day, that's the whole, you know, purpose of anything visualization. It's, uh, right. you know, previous stunt viz, tech viz, it's to eliminate those, um, yep. problems or, or reduce those problems down as much as possible and answer questions as early as possible before, um, you get on set and start filming, um, but always, always subject to change, and it always <laughs> there's always a chance of it changing, even after sign off. So even after say, you shot it, <laughs> even if, yeah, let's fix. Well, we need to fix this now. So right. I guess that sort of you know is always ongoing, and but you know we do what we can to to sort of help everybody out, producers, right. uh, you know, so that everybody is on the same page. So that's that's the plan and that's our reasoning for being on on the projects um and any sort of crazy painful sort of changes that you've encountered on the day what's the worst or craziest sort of that you can think of? i'm putting you on the spot dave if you, if you can't think of one on top of it no no i so i remember 
I won't name the film or the director, but we okay. were doing a movie where um, you had a, a fight scene that it, it was very complicated. There were, I think, 14 people that were involved in the fight um, all around a central character. Like you see, so you got like 13 bad guys and, and our main guy. And uh, there was tons of wire work um you know, very complicated choreography weapons work like it was it was a big deal so we'd gone in and previs this thing and um and when you're dealing with those numbers it it's super easy to to fall into a situation where um you got what we call the oh shit shuffle you know where people are in the background going <laughs> Oh, like okay. this, like trying to figure out how to get in there because it's one guy against 13. So how do you how do you mitigate that problem? You know, try to find a way to make sure that everybody's involved with something. There, there's never somebody that's standing around looking like they're trying to figure out a way to get in when clearly you could just like hit the guy in the back, you know? Yeah. Um, so we that, that's they're always waiting there, aren't they? To sort of you see lots. right, yeah. right, yeah. It, that's like the bane of my existence, and most of the guys <laughs> that I know, like we're always trying to figure out a way to to prevent that from yeah. happening. But you know, inevitably, you you get the the script will come in, and it's like fifteen on one. You're like, okay, how do I make that work, and you know, make it make sense? So anyway, we'd done this sequence, and like I said, it was very involved, and had shot a, a previs that uh, the director signed off on. We'd been rehearsing it for six weeks. Everything was rigged. And then the director walked in and said, um, I'd like to see a live demonstration of this. And we didn't have all of the people there. You know, I think there were like five of us. Oh, so man. the main guy plus like four bad guys instead of 13 bad guys. And so we're like, okay, so we start running through the fight and the the bad guys are are basically like dying and then getting up and running oh, and playing and, being person and dying and getting up and <laughs> and I'm in the middle of this. I'm playing one of the bad guys and I like fall down and I get up and I attack and I fall down and I get up and I attack and I fall down and I look and the director is like this. <laughs> and he's like walking away from us as we're no, doing shit. like this full speed demo of the fight so we all kind of stop and he's like i think we should be over here and this is now we're a week away from when we're going oh, to shoot man. so we we start following around he's giving us all these notes now and and truthfully i think what happened was that he was just looking at it in the space and not you know number one without the bodies yeah. being there and then number two you know, when you're in it, you kind of have a sense of, okay, here's how I have to tell this story. But if you're just standing out on the outside, it just looks like a madhouse, yeah. you know? So thinking in terms of camera angles in that situation mm. is very difficult. Yeah. You know, you're just like, oh my God, it's just craziness. So he went and gave these notes that basically blew the whole sequence apart. Uh, we all went to the bar that night <laughs> and then and the never returned. Day, yeah. Well, it was, it, I remember the stunt coordinator on the show said we could have started today. Like, you know, and we'd been on the show at that point for, I think like eight weeks. And he was like, we could have started today, you know? Um, 
Structurally, it meant that construction had to come in and rebuild portions of the set because the areas now that we're doing wire work from can't support us. Um, that meant that now in the next week, like we're needing to get in there and do rehearsals, but this is now go time for art department. They're oh painting, putting in furniture and, you know, all of that kind of stuff. Um, so it, it put everybody on like 24 hour cycles. So like paint would come in at night so that we Whoa. could rehearse during the day and get the actors in. And, and in the meantime, everybody's trying to figure out where the set dressing is going to go. And, and then we're <laughs> maybe two days from shooting and we had done a new stunt viz for the sequence and a producer came from LA and the director comes to me and says, Hey, can you show him the previs? So I pull up the previs and show it to him. And then the director pauses and he goes, can you show him the old previs? <laughs> so oh, like, okay, so I pull that up the show, but he's like, I think we might have broke it. <laughs> but it was too late at that point because everything had been moved and the directors or the actress had been retrained. And so, you know, the new one was the version that we shot. But you know, oh, man, that sounds that sounds <laughs> that was just painful. a bit of a headache. That sounds very painful. Do, do you think if the director would have seen if, if the director hadn't have asked for a live demonstration and then you sort of um put together the first Pass how you kind of intended with cameras and edits and things. Do you reckon that problem would have been? No, because he had, we'd already done oh, that. Okay. So and he wanted to see it live. And he had signed right. off on it. So before we even started doing, uh, you know, rigging and, yeah. and, you know, doing all of that kind of stuff, the director had signed off on the sequence. Um, and same thing in, in terms of training the actors. Um, oh, no. But I think. You know, again, when he when he came into the environment, he just saw it as a as a whole. Just seeing yeah. the whole like, mad tableau of everything, he just yeah. went, "Oh, this is insanity! I don't know how to manage this." That's a perfect example of what we said earlier. Of it's never signed off, even after no. sign off. Sign off is because <laughs> no, you could have been like, oh, "We're not going to show you because you've signed it off," but I guess yeah, that just yeah. led to and, a whole. And they had, you know, in the end, there was another when that film came out, there was like another version of that sequence that was in the film that had been right. constructed editorially and through VFX. You know, it was not, yeah. it was not yeah. what we shot. <laughs> yeah. I love, I love asking about sort of crazy times and funny times. And um, I was working on Guardians of the Galaxy and I was driving <laughs> home from, no, I was driving out of the studios one time Um past one of the, the the stages and there's this big guy kind of like looked in pain and at the time I had um, just a small little car that it was kind of like it was lowered so it was kind of um, you know over speed humps and things it was not ideal to go over speed humps and I saw him hobbling and in pain and I thought oh I'll just give him give him a ride um, and he turned out to be uh, Drax's stunt double so it's just some big dude Oh, getting into my tiny name. little car. He's uh, Dutch, I think, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was, he yeah, had an accident. yeah, great guy. Oh, yeah. why can't I say his name? Oh, oh yeah, he's a super nice guy. Super nice guy. And I just see like this big dude, and, and he's so lovely, and he's so like, oh, thank you so much because his leg was, and you know, what do you do? And oh, I'm Drax's stunt double, and 
he was telling me about this this stunt gone not gone wrong, but he injured his leg and um and so we drive off, lovely guy, and we go over uh, the speed hump because he weighs the car down just like even more. So it's like <laughs> <laughs> just scraping over the um I'm yeah, looking was, it up right now because I, I yeah. feel terrible that I can't remember. <laughs> I, I worked with him, you know, obviously on on uh, Infinity War. Yeah. He was there for a lot of it. Oh, oh yeah, shoot. of course. Yeah, of course. Rob DeGroote. Rob DeGroote. Yeah, yeah. Great guy. But yeah, I, I guess we can, coming back to uh, the Ronin then, um, how was that and what was your typical kind of workflow? So, was yeah, it a kit bash or was it a proper... I'm no, it, what I did, so I I found an environment, a, th- a 3D environment that I thought would work pretty well and then augmented it, um, you know, changed it around. Yeah, had to separate out elements of it to do like cloth sims on the, you know, the, uh, the little draperies and, and stuff like that. Um, and then once I had the environment set, I started playing around with um, developing characters um, I was using uh, like character creator um, okay. to help with that process. Um, Gaz, you know, any yeah. anything that I could find that would you know sort of help. Because one of the my goals in in the short was to not let because um, I, I tend to to bog myself down in like the little stuff, you know. So um, I, I could easily find myself spending a year like modeling a character you know, or, or doing something like that. And so I wanted to, to kind of jump over the things that I knew would present hurdles to me that, you know, there were satisfactory answers for elsewhere, you know? Um, so once I had all of the characters kind of set up and, and rigged and, and all of that kind of thing, um, I set about doing the choreography. And one of the challenges that I set up for myself was that I wanted to do everything alone. I didn't want to, you know, bring in anybody else just to see if I could do it, um, which was challenging because there's a lot of those, uh, the elements in the fights where there's, you know, three or four people that are all fighting at the same time. So uh, I would, I have a little gym here in the house. So I would get in the gym and start walking through the beats and be like, okay, I'm this guy. And now there's an attack that's coming from here and I'm going to do this, which creates an opening for this person. So now when they come, this is happening, but that leaves that guy here. So I'm trying to work out, you know, in a, you know, five, six, seven, ten beat section, what everybody is doing. And then once I would get that, I'd throw the suit on and then record the performance for each one of those characters separately. Mm -hmm and then bring each of those performances in. And then I would need to retime those um, because my timing was not perfect from uh, from one performance to the next. And then hand animate on top of the motion capture to compensate for, you know, like a sword would be going through another sword or somebody would step, you know, and inter- interpenetrate the other character. Um, so there was a lot of, sort of hand manipulation of the animation after I had mm-hmm. done the performance capture. So that was really kind of like a base layer almost, yeah. um, the performance capture part of it. Yeah. And then once I had that sort of built out for the entirety of the sequence, then I would jump into Unreal and, you know, port those performances in and start, you know, that was the fun part really was, yeah. you know, now starting to find 
camera positions. I had a general notion of where the cameras were and that's where um, that was happening as I was choreographing, really. I was already kind of thinking about camera's probably gonna be here, so I'm gonna you know, have this action happen in this way. And then once I got it into Unreal, I was playing with lighting and mm-hmm. um, you know, what the, what the animation of the camera is in terms of its speed and is this a handheld shot or is this a dolly shot? Um, you know, all, all of that kind of stuff. Um, and then rendering it out. So that process, by the time that I had like the characters done and the, uh, you know, the environment going through and doing the animation and then from animation to rendering was probably like two, two and a half weeks, right? something like that. And how long was it, um, from start to finish this project up, was it sort of scattered or did you dedicate like, I'm going to do no, this in? It was very scattered because I was doing a lot of it while I was doing other projects. So sure. I would go in and spend like an hour here or an hour there. So, you know, getting like the, the town set up and, and then, um, you know, the characters and all that kind of stuff that might've happened over, you know, a period of oh, months, okay. but like a little bit at yeah. a time. And then I finished a show and then as soon as I finished the show, I was like, okay, now I'm, I'm not working on anything else. I'm just going to, you know, my eight hour day is going to be on the Ronin short. Oh, nice. And, and that from that point forward, it was probably like two and a half weeks. Brilliant. That's, um, so what was the, um, when you mentioned sort of, um, tweaking, um, the actions in, uh, you know, uh, animating on top of the mocap, was that done, uh, in an external, um, animation package or did you do corrections inside of Unreal Engine? No, I did the I did corrections in Cinema 4D. Okay, so so you, did you have to learn Cinema 4D specifically for that, or is that have you got experience with that prior to? No, Cinema 4D was was the 3D program that I've been using Cinema. Oh, okay. Cinema 5, actually, sure. Um, when when I did the original short that a buddy and I did, you know, way way back, um, the viral short that I had mentioned, oh, we need. Yes. Uh, that was Electric Image was the program that we started with, um, which was a 3D package that we'd heard of because um, the Rebel Mac unit at ILM used it. So okay. we ended up getting Electric Image, and that's what we did our work in. Um, when I was on f- getting ready to go to Fast Five, um, th- so through stepping back, I guess, through that short, I ended up meeting some of the guys from ILM, some wow. of the folks that were in the Rebel Mac unit, um, a gentleman named Alex Lindsay in particular that, you know, I, I developed a friendship with. And as we were getting ready to go to Fast Five, I wasn't sure how much we were going to need to do in terms of animatic viz for car sequences. And so I reached out to Alex and I was like, hey, you know, electric image is kind of, you know, gone away. If I was to jump into a 3D package, what do you think would be the fastest, easiest thing for me to learn? Um, to do car animations, and he he said Cinema 4D. Um, so I picked up Cinema 4D, and I've been using it since then. Oh, that's great! So you've you've really combined and and continue to learn. You just seem to absorb and know a, a lot of stuff that you've got. Three D mocha. Well, it's it's incredible. Um, and also that you've just said that you were like we've done a fight sequence. Um, in the past for a past project uh, 
at Big Tit Studios, where, which involved two uh, Rococo suits. Mm-hmm. Um, and we remember thinking um, this would be a pain in the ass to do with one suit at a time, and then you're choreographing the other person to then interact. My mind is a little blown as to you've done all that and there's multiple people fighting with one person, one Rococo suit. That is pretty... I would impressive. never do it again. You would never do it again. <laughs> what? It was, it, it, like I said, it was, it was kind of a challenge that I set up for myself. I wanted yeah. to see if I could do it. Um, now I've, I've checked that off. That, and that check, put that in the bag. That's there. done. I, I don't you have can, to do it anymore. You can say you've done it. That is, that is insane. And like, I would not have thought that that's one person, one suit, because they, they really sort of, you know, they really do interact. And the timing, uh, you said you've done a lot of retiming and things, but it's really come together and it really feels like there's multiple people in suits there. So, yeah, incredible. Dave, that's, uh, oh, thanks. <laughs> that sounds a headache again, big time. Um, yeah. Okay. It, it, it was kind of a process of figuring out like, you know, whose timing needs to be, you know, like if there was one performer that I'm looking at, you know, there would come a time where, you know, timing's off, they're not hitting swords at the same time. So whose timing needs to stay consistent? Mm -hmm. Okay, now I'm gonna grab this guy and I would use motion clips. Yeah. So I would take a motion clip and just, you know, like stretch sure. it, but you know, you now I'm chopping it up and then bring this yeah. one in and then blend it into the next piece. And, you know, so it was, it was pretty painstaking. Yeah. Oh man. Well, the results, it's definitely paid off. W- would you do any more, more shorts and are you planning on doing any other, um, unreal? Oh, yeah, stuff? for sure. I'm, yeah. you know, I, I am a, I'm a storyteller, you yeah. know, I, I, I like telling stories through, through short films and stuff like that. So yeah, for, for sure. I've got some other things that I'm, I'm kind of percolating, you know, other, as I, as I continue to play with unreal, mm. um, you know, there's the real time aspect of it, you know, it changes so much yeah. about what you can do, you know? And, um, so yeah, definitely. I've I've, I've got other things I'm I'm playing with. And are you looking at implementing any other sort of like new? Have you been watching videos and seen new tech like and thinking I would like to implement that? Like I wonder if there's any sort of you know VCam type stuff as well as hand animated cameras and yeah and yeah for like sure. I, it, it really what that is to me. The only thing that's prevented me from doing that up until now is like dedicated space, sure. you know, because then it. you're, you know, setting up little bases and stuff like that. I've played around with um, like Bluetooth connection stuff with like an iPad and it, there's just too much lag. Yeah. Um, you know, I can't be as like sh- shooting stunt viz. Like I said, I, I feel like um, if, if you have two people fighting, the third person is the guy holding the camera. And that is a, a choreography for Definitely. all three of them, right? So the ability to be super responsive with camera as a, as almost like a participant in the fight, yeah. like your timing has to be dead on. Yeah, definitely. And so, you know, if there's any sort of lag, I kind of go up oh, now, this isn't working for me. Yeah. I gotta, you know, so I can see a situation where eventually I might, you know, set that up. Um, but for the time being, you know, the, the animation of the camera within the package is it's pretty easy. You know, and 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 I tend to try to keep things uh, 
kind of real world anyway. Mm -hmm. There is a danger sometimes, I think, in CG where you get cameras doing things that are not possible. Yeah. You know, I had a project recently where we, the tech viz came and I was like, look, the camera's moving right through that guy's head. It's a problem, <laughs> you know? Yeah, that there wouldn't happen on set. Yeah, <laughs> there was an animatic years ago that we got. It was a, it was a funny situation. We had this, there was a fight that the animatics guys had come up with and they'd worked really closely with the director. I think that they were on like version 64 or something like that of this fight. And then we got there and we had re-choreographed part of the fight and the director's like, I'm, why did you change it? And I, so I pull out the, the animatic and I start step framing through it. And the character's arm, this is the lead actor, his arm interpenetrates his head and comes <laughs> out the back. And, you know, it happens in like, you know, that fast, so you don't really notice it, but just within the animation, he decapitated himself and dislocated his shoulder. I'm like, I don't think that he's going to want to do that. Yeah. So we have to do something different here, you know? Especially, especially multiple takes. That's, that's right, a yeah. one take. Right, right. And it's not the end of the movie, so no. you might... <laughs> we'll shoot that scene last. Yeah. Um, okay, Dave, well, just would you mind if we now just move on to uh, the quarantine blues oh, briefly sure. and just sure. similar sort of thing about that now this another one i l absolutely love um yeah oh, it's, ca you. it's called the quarantine blues in my i first saw it and i thought of a hardcore henry vibe of that yeah. kind of fun stuff um can you just if that's an, if any reference to the um moments of this then let me know but can you just introduce this and just tell us about the uh, inspiration for it's obviously quarantine blue so i've got a, some kind of clue as to why right yeah it was boredom yeah. <laughs> that's really what it came down to um i was on so i was shooting falcon and winter soldier in uh prague when lockdown happened yeah and um like we were in the middle of shooting and at 11 o'clock at night i got a, an email saying have your bags packed and be ready to get on a plane tomorrow morning and uh flew home and then the world shut down and um, you know, i was sitting in the house with my wife and my kid and you know i mean it was it was pretty great because falcon and winter soldier had been a very um uh it was a great experience to be on that show but it was tough you know we had 18 action sequences in six episodes and they were freaking huge and tons i, I think we did like 140 wire gags in the show and i mean it was it was a big deal um and so i was exhausted like you know when i got home i was ready for a little break anyway <laughs> um so we you know watched a lot of movies and hung out and um i'm fortunate enough to you know live on a lake so i would get on the, on the lake on my paddleboard and oh, nice. do all that kind of thing but um uh you know my predilection is to you know always be kind of doing something and so I had gotten a, a DJI action cam, um, which is almost like a GoPro yeah. kind of thing. And so I, I started playing around with it and with the head mount and kind of looking at what it was shooting. And then I thought, you know, I, I think I could do a short by myself. Yeah. And so uh, I started with the first shot in the short and, you know, we're up through the point where there's the sort of creature in the hallway and the, the door slamming shut and then the mirror shot just as a proof of concept to see if it was something that was really viable. First of all, with the camera, um, you know, 
in terms of what it can handle and low light and all of that kind of mm -hmm. thing. And then secondly, you know, going in and tracking the shot, you know, is that viable with the, with that camera? And then can I get rid of the camera in the mirror? Because um, Hardcore Henry is definitely the reference, but he never sees himself in the it's mirror in that, different. that I remember anyway. Um, so I had this idea that I would do it with a hat and, you know, do a CG hat that would replace the, the physical hat that I was wearing. Um, and so once I got through that first shot and got decent results, then I was like, okay, well, you know, let's do the next piece. And so the next piece of the puzzle was, you know, exiting the bedroom and then heading toward the front door and then, okay, well that worked. So now let's stitch coming off the door and do the exterior. Yeah. And now we'll stitch closing the door and do the next little bit with the creature in the living room. And, you know, so it was kind of one piece at a time where I was working out what the stitches would be um, so that I wasn't, you know, over committing to anything in particular. Yeah. And then if there were any problems that occurred, it was pretty easy for me to go back and reshoot. I, it was funny because like I, the bedroom was pretty dark, but then for whatever reason, when I got to the top of the stairs, I think it was the lack of objects to track. I right. ended up running into problems, uh, when I got to the top of the stairs. And so I reshot that bit, like. I don't know, there were probably 30 takes of that to try and finally get to a place where I'm like, okay, I've got a decent track here. I can, you know, continue on. Yeah. Um, but that was, you know, kind of the process was just like, you know, one domino at a time until the whole thing's finished. Awesome. I'm just watching it again, again on, on here, on the, uh, this screen. Um, it's, it's so, so great. I love it. Um, what was the, um, animations was that unreal what was that cinema 4d what was that kind of um, that was all cinema 4d yeah um so and cool. it was so if i had to do it over again this was before i i'd gotten into redshift because at the time i was working oh. on a mac um and then i ended up switching over to windows specifically because i wanted to be able to use redshift um which is nvidia heavy and max didn't run nvidia at the time so i i made the jump to windows specifically for that so if i had to do it over again i, I would have you know rendered them all out using using redshift but i didn't okay. have the option at the time gotcha it's so fun and again yeah out of boredom was it just kind of um wouldn't it be cool if this happened or wouldn't it be cool if that happened or did you have that um, you know, not, that this was more of a kitbashy kind of situation. You know, I, I found the the first alien that, that was in the hallway, which was way less uh, animatable than I made it. I, I did a bunch of like morph targeting stuff on it to to get it to like perform facially a little bit more. Um, and then once I had that first piece done, I was like, okay, you know, let me find. A couple other things so i would like go on to sketchfab or you know turbo squid or wherever and just start looking for monsters yeah and then as i would discover them i'd be like oh, i'll stick this guy here and that guy will be over there and here will be a crab or a spider cool. or you know whatever <laughs> um awesome. i had the one uh uh which was the monster i'm trying to remember there was one of them that i, I gave up on animating other than through morph targets um but yeah, it was, oh, it was Cthulhu. That's what it was. <laughs> I found oh, okay. Cthulhu, but um, I couldn't, it, it was going to be too much of a task to rig it because it, it came in, it, the model itself was already um, like not in a T pose or an A pose or anything yeah. like that. So I just kind of 
use deformers on it to get it to move the way that I wanted it to. Um, yeah, and you know, like I said, it was kind of one piece at a time with no real narrative so, in my mind, other than that it was just this guy trying to get to his kid. I guess when you're thinking of monsters, you're thinking HP uh, Lovecraft and crazy. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> definitely. Um, was there any moments of you sort of, um, yeah, performing as the monsters then using the Rococo? <laughs> I imagine. Yeah, both for the the creature that's downstairs, the kind of red demon-looking monster, and then the the two that are at the top of the stairs. Everything else is was kind of uh, hand animated or animations that I already had. I think I have to forgive me. This is like two and a half years ago. Um, but I believe that the only ones that were, were Coco ones were were those ones, wow. kind of in the second half. And then at the top of the stairs, too, I'd gotten sort of sick of. Uh, uh keying out my own hands um okay. you know because they'd be in the shot and so i'd have to key them out you know like roto them to be able to put something in front of it so when i got to the top of the stairs i was like i wonder if i should just do my own hands and feet in cg so at the top of the stairs oh when you punch the the monster yeah. over the banister and stuff right yeah that's just it's a cg hand that's in there that was just an experiment to see if it would work and it was okay um when i got into the bathroom i ended up going back to the uh the old way and, and just rotoing my hands great way to uh spend lockdown um yeah again pushing yourself um you know uh in in a lot of spare time um you've been able to sort of explore new you know challenging yourself and was there any moments where you did go and think i'm i'm gonna go on that lake and and just sort of clear my headspace or was you oh yeah for sure yeah. <laughs> yeah, definitely. When and I got, so, like I said, the top of the stairs was such a pain in the ass, and um, for whatever reason, I like I said, I think there was just too much white space in the walls and not yeah. enough to hold on to. Some of that stuff I would shoot. You like I would get up there and and intentionally shoot it slowly, mm -hmm. um, and then speed it up after the fact. Um, but there were all all kinds of issues, and then it was like finally I resorted to putting motion tracking markers like freaking everywhere, yeah. and then having to erase them all, which was you know another giant pain. <laughs> but oh man, you know, well, got it out of showing this uh, to anybody on on projects like directors or um, anybody involved in projects, have they? thought about implementing like whoa dave can put monsters in the stunt face <laughs> like let's let's have like a um a john wick but with monsters wouldn't that be a crazy well, you know one of the first shows um that i did that was really heavy 3d was rampage um oh, yeah. the Johnson yeah. film. and i was actually hired on that show specifically from infinity war i work really closely with uh, a guy named daniel stevens who, um, when he was on Infinity War, he was uh, doubling Thor for a period of time before uh, uh, Helmsworth's double could arrive. Um, but Daniel went on to assistant stunt coordinate Rampage and uh, for a gentleman named Al Poppleton. And uh, Daniel was kind enough to recommend me to Al based on Infinity War. And so I went in there and and ended up animating the uh gorilla for all of our stunt biz um so he's you know chucking people around inside of the c-17 and 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 then the same thing there's a giant wolf that goes through and and wrecks oh, a yeah. bunch of uh, mercenaries in the woods and oh. uh so did that for that 
for the stunt just for that as well. Brilliant. So yeah, monsters, people, anything you can. Uh, yeah, if, if Dave's, <laughs> Dave's the man. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, it's it's so like I said, you know, it's it's become such a part of what um, you know within stunt viz, you kind of have to do it. Like Falcon and Winter Soldier, it was all shields and wings, mm. you know, um, and like Sam's wings are kind of a character within the fights. Um, we were employing them in a different way in that show than they had been done previously because, you know, up until that point, Sam was basically just flying, you know, with the wings. But they had written out these sequences where he's fighting with super soldiers. So it's like, okay, well, what's Sam going to do fighting with super soldiers? And so we ended up using the wings as like a, a weapon. Um, so if you're using the wings as a weapon in the stunt viz, then we got to have wings, sure. you know, and it's not practical to like put giant cardboard wings on the stunt performer and have him do stuff because they have to be able to retract and come yeah. in and out. And, you know, so there was a lot of time on that show where it was just figuring out, you know, how do the wings work? And same thing with the shield too, you know, and, and that I think is, was also helpful because in the process of, of choreographing, you're starting to think, from a visual effects standpoint, like in post, what, what does mm -hmm. this mean? Like if you're doing a sequence where uh, Cap is going to throw the shield and then get it back and fight for a minute and then throw the shield, well, that means that the shield can't be there for any of it. Mm. So now if you're fighting for a segment of time with that shield, that's a shield now that needs to be animated onto this guy's arm, you know, motion tracked to him as he's mm -hmm. doing all this all this movement and then the characters that are there they're going to need to be rotoed yeah. to figure out how they interact so sometimes we would determine things editorially like okay he's going to throw the shield so it's a cg shield we're going to cut into this as late as possible so that it's the cg shield for a moment he throws it and gets it back and then we'll cut a little bit after that so that we're not doing this you know huge protracted sure. piece that that then visual effects is going to have to deal with yeah man that's a yeah it all goes back to just answering those questions early on it's really uh, just a great insight dave to your workflow your experience combining your you know many talents all how they all fit into uh, the, the weird person. <laughs> <laughs> well dave that was incredible, and I really, really appreciate your time. Oh, um, sure. Yeah, to, no, to fun to for us. me too. Honestly, thank you. It's It's been an absolute pleasure. So um, I guess that that's wrapped it up. We were covering those two projects, and, yeah, that was a, that was a ride. That was, thanks. That was great. Great. Okay. Yeah, what, absolutely. What are you um, up to for the rest of the day? Did you? I think you mentioned. Yeah, I'm starting another project. So, um, the 10-month one, the big one. Yeah, big yeah. So um, actually... Do you, is it you fly to you fly? Um, I soon? I don't have the actual date yet. I think I think that they would like me to be there by Monday. Um, which we'll, uh, we'll see. I I just wrapped a project in New Orleans and got home like a week ago. So I've only been <laughs> home for a week. Now it's like I gotta I gotta ship out again. So I have a bunch of uh, things to attend to for for my family around yeah. the house. So that's part of it too i'm doing yeah. like prep work for the show and then i gotta like put a desk together and you know sure. disassemble a, something and take it to the dump and yeah. you know all that kind of thing and, and feed the dogs yeah 
Oh man, well, David, yeah, thank you so much, and uh, absolute pleasure. And yeah, yeah, for me too. Thank nice you very to much. You. All the best for the next project. Um, yeah, thank it you. sounds uh, intense, um, and all the best. And we'll speak to you soon, Dave. Great. All okay. right. Sounds thank good. You, Have man. a good day. You too, buddy. Take care. All right. Bye bye. Bye, Dave. If you're looking for more conversations like this and can't wait for the next episode, head over to our YouTube channel at Big Tooth Studios or follow the link in the episode description.